turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, January the 18th, 2024, in the year of our Lord. On January 18th, uh, 1911, first landing of an aircraft on a ship took place, pilot Eugene Eli. He brought his Curtis biplane in for a safe landing on the deck of the armored cruiser USS Pennsylvania. They pulled off that stunt. San Francisco Harbor. The rest is history. Today in 1778, English navigator Captain James Cook, he reached the present-day Hawaiian Islands, which he named the Sandwich Islands. I remember studying that when I was a kid in school. I always wondered, was he hungry, or maybe they were just sort of sandwiched together. Obviously, that name didn't stick. We're back to the Hawaiian Islands. Today in 1782, lawyer and statesman Daniel Webster was born in Salisbury, New Hampshire. I mention him often because he is said to be the most um, efficient, the most skilled, the most uh, respected statesman ever to serve in the United States Senate. He was uh, a man of, of great character, a deeply committed Christian, a brilliant mind, and is quoted to this day. As I said, I quote him often on this program, but many others do as well. He was born today in 1782. Today in 1943, during World War II, Jewish people in the Warsaw Ghetto, they launched their initial armed resistance against uh, the Nazi troops, who eventually succeeded in crushing the rebellion. I've been there, and I've spoken of that on this program as well, as you may know. Today in 1991, financially strapped Eastern Airlines, they finally shut down after 60 years in business. Today in 1993, the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday was observed in all 50 states for the first time. And today in 1998, the motion picture Titanic won four Golden Globes, including Best Drama and Best Director for James Cameron. And today in 2005... The world's largest commercial jet, the Airbus A380, jumbo, super jumbo, capable of flying up to 800 passengers. It was unveiled in France. That's some of the things that have happened today in history on this date. Trump is making history. The latest polling out of New Hampshire, they have their primary election in New Hampshire next week. The latest poll out of New Hampshire shows President Trump up 16 points over Governor Nikki Haley. And um, that sort of blows up some of the people that are supposed to be the best at predicting these kinds of things. They were saying it was going to be very, very close because Nikki Haley is very, very popular in New Hampshire. She's more moderate than she is conservative. I would agree with that. She's much more moderate. She, In fact, she's been talking about finding a consensus on abortion 
and she's been talking about other things that just are, are troublesome to me personally. I got to tell you, I was once a, a fan of hers. I'm not so much anymore. But anyway, New Hampshire is a little more moderate. And so the predictors have been predicting that she would, Trump would have a hard time there. It'd be close. And we'll see what happens kind of a thing. Well, um, Suffolk University, the Boston Globe, and NBC Channel 10 in Boston all pitched in and um, they conducted this a survey of Republican primary voters, people that were planning to vote, and uh, they just completed it. And it shows that Trump is sitting at 50.4% support in New Hampshire, and Haley is a distant second place with 33.8% support. I think the ultimate humiliation that came out of that, and I say this with no joy, but boy, Governor Ron DeSantis has done, in my view, such a great job in in Florida. And I have personally appreciated the stands he's taken and some of the things he's done. But he just is not being well received as a presidential candidate. He, this same poll found that the undecided in the poll were more than those that are going to vote for Governor Ron DeSantis. The undecided got 5.8% in this poll by these three, Suffolk University, Boston Globe, and the NBC uh, Channel 10 uh, in Boston Station. He got 5.8% of the vote, or 5.2% of the vote, and the undecided got 5.8% of the vote. I would imagine, I don't know his thinking, I've never met him, but I would imagine he's going to be doing some very serious thinking about where he is in regards to this whole matter of running for president. But that's politics, and that's the way it works. Thank you for your support of this ministry. I deeply appreciate it. It is absolutely necessary for us to be on every day as we are. But thank you. You stand with us and you have stood with us and I know you will. Thank you for standing with us this month, this first month of the year and um, meeting our budget. And we will pray and believe that we'll be doing that each month throughout the year of 2024. It's going to be a consequential year for sure. And I think it's important that our voice is heard and many of you feel the same way and you support that effort and make it possible for me to be on the air. Thank you so much. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. You may be aware that the World Economic Forum is taking place. It's in session in Davos, Switzerland. European Commission and president, this Ur- Ursula von der Leyen, I think that's how you pronounce her name. She called for an increased cooperation between governments and private businesses to enact tech censorship in the face of industrial scale disinformation. That caught my attention. I looked into it and saw what she had said and what others are saying at this globalist meeting. And they meet every year in Davos, Switzerland. And uh, what she's saying today and what she said the other day and others are saying during this meeting is a little bit troubling to me, and yet it's not surprising, and I don't think it will be to you, but 
I'm going to be talking about a specific incident that happened, a woman who has been denied by a, a state government here in the Northwest to actually adopt a child who needs adoption, in fact, a twin, a pair of twins, who actually and, and very much so need a home. But they have declined her, they've denied her on on the grounds of the of what she believes. And they said if she will not take the child, these two children, to get sex hormone treatment, they will not allow her to adopt them on the basis of her religious beliefs. And so we'll, I'm going to come back to that, but keep that in mind as I talk just for a moment about what's happening at this World Economic Forum. They don't only talk about economics. They talk about moral issues there as well. So at the opening of this annual this meeting in Davos, this Vanderleiden called for increased, increased cooperation. Following in the example of the WEF, the founder and the chairman, Klaus Schwab, he's put out a global risk report. This EU chief, this Ursula, she used her address in Davos on Tuesday to highlight the supposed risks of allowing the free flow of information in light of the alleged threat of disinformation and misinformation. Why the urgency? Well, she said these risks are serious because they limit our ability to tackle the big global challenges we're facing, changes in our climate, our geopolitical climate, shifts in our demography and our technology, regional conflicts, intensified geopolitical competition and their impacts on supply chains and so on. But as you look through the agenda, it is all of that. But it also has to do with moral issues. It has to do with advancing the LGBTQ plus IA whatever agenda. It has to do with issues that are very, very close to the heart of biblical Christians. And they've kind of meshed all of that in with these other so-called bigger issues into the disinformation, misinformation category. So everything is going to be tested now in their view and they're advocating this around the world. The EU chief, this Ursula, she's calling for governments and private firms to form a, quote, new connective tissue to deliver the solutions we need to fight the threats like climate change or industrial-scale disinformation. So the task before the elite of the world, as they've all flown in there to talk about the climate and carbon and all that kind of thing, they've all flown in there in their own private jets, because they couldn't possibly lower themselves to fly in there in a regular passenger jet like the rest of us would do if we were going there. But anyway, they, they're they there to talk about, to censor any and everyone who disagrees with them on climate change, gendered identity. They're, it's a big deal. They're pushing that now. And the list of other economic and moral issues that they've already identified as cri- critical issues. So they've made this list, things that are important to them, things that they feel that they feel are important to the world, and they now are creating this this machine to deal with disinformation and misinformation for us little people out here. That means anything they disagree with. If they don't think it's for the greater good, meaning their good, then it needs to be addressed. 
Miss von der Leyen said that the need to combat disinformation is more important than ever, given that 2024 will be the largest election year in the history of the world. With 41% of the global population, she said an estimated 3.2 billion people, including more than 450 million in the EU, where she's from, she said they're set to head to the polls this year. She said that's why this year will be the most important year ever in human history. Like in all democracies, our freedom comes with risks, she says. There will always be those who try to exploit our openness, both from the inside and the outside. I could talk about that for an hour, but we'll move on. She said there will always be attempts to push us off track, for example, with disinformation and misinformation. I'm going to come back to her in a few minutes. But a widowed mother of five, five children in Oregon, she wants to adopt a pair of siblings under the age of 10 from foster care. And she's appealed to the U.S. Court of Appeals in the Ninth Circuit in San Francisco, California, after a lower court ruled against her last year. Now, I mentioned this case last year at the time because it caught my attention. So if it sounds vaguely familiar, perhaps you heard it here on this program or somewhere else. But I mentioned and talked about it last year. Well, now she's filing a brief with the Ninth Circuit because the lower court, you know, didn't rule in her favor. This should never be happening in America. But these are the kinds of things that the Davos, the billionaires, are talking about. That's what they fly into Dafos to talk about, how to run the world. And that can mean religious freedom and religious beliefs. Oregon's Department of Human Services categorically excluded Jessica Bates from adopting any child, no matter their age or beliefs, because she would not violate her religious beliefs and promote Oregon's radical gender ideology. Represented by attorneys from the Alliance Defending Freedom, they do such a great job. Bates has filed her opening brief with the Ninth Circuit. Her attorneys asked the the appeals court to allow her to obtain her certification free of discrimination while her lawsuit continues so that she can eventually provide a loving home to children in need. Jessica wants to open her home to children in need right now. But Oregon officials are placing a dangerous ideological agenda above kids' best interests, the lawyers from ADF say. They say in a statement, Jessica is a loving mother who feels called to adopt siblings from foster care. They say Oregon is categorically excluding her merely because she shares a view held by millions of Americans that boys and girls are biologically different. Jessica believes that children should cherish that difference, not reject it. Because Jessica will not promote Oregon's radical gender ideology to kids, the state considers her and many others to be unfit parents. That's the word they use. Unfit parents. Depriving countless children in Oregon's system of opportunities to be raised in a loving home. The lawyer... One of the lawyers representing her said, uh, says, we are urging the Ninth Circuit to allow Jessica to continue her adoption journey and provide a loving home to children that are in need. As an opening brief in the case explains, 
And I'm quoting from that brief. I wrote an article on that, on this subject today. It's on our website, faithandfreedom.us. Faithandfreedom.us. As this case explains, their Oregon says the, the lawyer says Oregon just just uh, justify excluding as prospect parents the hundreds of thousands of Oregonians who share Bates' religious views about human sexuality. Including people like Bates maximizes the number of families available to adopt children in need and increases the odds every child eventually finds a loving home. I will insert into this, I remember facing off with Jamie Pedersen in Olympia in the Washington State Legislature more than once over these kinds of issues. He's a homosexual quote-unquote, married to a man, and he's adopting children. They have several in their home. I don't know how many now, but more than one. That's not a problem. But if you're a Christian, you are a problem. That's what we're talking about. And I know that's straight talk, but that's where we are in this country. These are important issues. If we can't separate male from female, we're in trouble. And we can't. And we are in trouble. Bates argues that Oregon's categorical exclusion uses a sledgehammer when the First Amendment demands a scalpel, pointing out that the federal government and most other states avoid categorical exclusions and match specific children with compatible families. The policy achieves nothing but serves only to violate the First Amendment and harm kids in need of a home. How in the world did we get to this point? I'm over 40. I've lived a few years. Man, things have changed in my lifetime. It's almost hard to believe that we are where we are. But we are. Back in April 2023, Bates, she's a very devout Christian. She was widowed after her husband David died at a car crash in 2017. Even though she's busy raising her five children that she had with her late husband, ages 10 through 18, on her own, she wants to open her home to children that are in need. She was inspired by a story of a man who adopted a child from a foster care. Bates felt, when she heard that story, she felt touched by God, and she felt that there was a calling in her heart to follow the biblical teaching to care for orphans. The Bible is very clear on that. The Bible does not tell government to care for orphans. The Bible tells believers, followers of Jesus Christ, to take care of the orphans. She applied to adopt a sibling pair who are generally harder to place, but the Oregon Department of Human Services denied her application because in order to adopt children and give them a loving home, quote, she would first be required to endorse the state's pro-LGBTQ IA, whatever, views on sexuality. That became the hinge point. The ODHS, the Oregon Health Services, requires that people seeking to adopt must, quote, respect, accept, and support the sexual orientation and or gender identity of any child whom ODHS could place in an applicant's home. She told Fox News this last year during an interview, she was several months into the adoption process, 
and she had successfully completed a portion of the training when the state told her she had to support its guidance. She said, I reported to my certifier because they really emphasized the sexual orientation and gender identity training, that you have to support it, she said. She said, I emailed her and I told her I couldn't do that because of my faith. And then we had a phone call and because I wouldn't take a child for cross-sex hormone injections, I was basically told that I'm ineligible to adopt a child in the state of Oregon. The denial of her application makes her ineligible to adopt any child, even infants or children who share the same religious beliefs. ADF attorneys say that the policy, the Oregon state policy, needlessly penalizes Bates and many other people of faith for their religious views. It does. And it tries to compel parents to speak words that violate their conscience and deprives children in need of the opportunity to find loving homes. They don't care about the kids. They care about the indoctrination. That's more important than the well-being of the children. And these people are out there and they're always putting on this front. It really bothers me. They put on this front as though they're looking out for the children. They're looking out for democracy. I mean, you name it, they're looking out for it. At the same time, they're destroying it behind the scenes. Whether it's a child or whether it's democracy in America or whatever it is. They're always looking out for it. They're always preserving it. In this case, it's two little kids, siblings, who have found a forever home, as the humane society likes to say about puppies. They found a home. But the state says, oh no, you're a Christian and the beliefs that you hold cause you to be ineligible to raise these two children who desperately need a home. I'll keep you posted on this case, but back to the World Economic Forum, just for a couple of minutes. European Commission President, this Ursula von der Leyen, she used her address to begin to set up a world that I mentioned earlier, a world system that orders not only business and enterprise, certainly that, but she's is setting up, she's calling for the setting up, and it is in motion, of a system. She calls it a, a, a tissue of connection that moral decisions as well as economic decisions will be made by these people and they'll be then disseminated out around the globe for the better for the for the betterment of humanity obviously she's talking about climate change and vaccinations and all the other big money maker crisis for the elite but some of her comments should give us pause and i want to leave you with this today <clears throat> let's keep this in mind in calling for this new collective, connective, excuse me, tissue to be formed to deliver solutions for these global issues, she says this year, 2024, is more important than any other year because of the large election, as I stated earlier. 
I don't think that a lot of the elections that are included in their 3.2 billion people will be voting. I don't think a lot of those elections will be <laughs> have any integrity. I've been there in those third world countries where they quote unquote vote. Um, it's a disaster. That's why my antennas were up in the last presidential election because I've seen some of those things before where ballots show up in the middle of the night, whether it's in Guatemala or America. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's the same notion that drives that. So she's talking about this being a consequential year because they know one of the great opportunities that they have is coming up this year. And that opportunity, that opportunity is to take more control over more of the world population and the way we live. Clearly, Donald Trump is a nightmare for these people. But their vision extends to other issues as well. If Christians believe that God has condemned homosexual behavior, as, as this woman does, and if they act on those beliefs, they're out. They will be trying to push the global tribunal off the tracks, as she said, and they'll be punished. Same for those who believe marriage is only between one man and one woman. Oh, no, that's not the way it is. And if you believe that, you're going to be dealt with. You're going to have to change your beliefs or else. We'll, we're yet to find out what else is. If Christians believe that Jesus is the only way to God, that too will be pushing us off the track, quote unquote. That belief is not inclusive. There's other religions. Christianity can't be the only way. That's not right. That's if Jesus is your way to God, you Christians over here, but maybe the Muslims have a different way to God. And we all worship the same God anyway, and on and on and on it goes. That's what we're looking at here. And that's what's being formed. It's in embryonic, perhaps beyond embryonic stages in this world council. You say, well, I don't care what those guys, those rich guys fly into Davos and they, you know, they talk and they do all this stuff. And I, that doesn't affect me. Yes, it does. Because they have billions and billions of dollars. In the case of BlackRock, that company alone, and they're there, they manage a trillion dollars. And a lot of American business depends on them. And they pull the chains. And they are all in on these moral issues, tamping them down, changing them. The LGBTQ agenda into the retail stores that they fund for operating capital every year, like Target and others. I personally believe that this year will indeed be transformational for our culture, for our country, and for the people like you and me who live here. This year will be as, it'll be kind of a, as for me and my house, year of decision and action. It's much like Joshua, after all of the things that they had seen that God had done, Joshua, the anointed leader, the unbelievable leader of those people at that time, he stood up in front of them after God had given them what he promised to give them. And he said, some of you are going to want to go off and, and, and worship other gods. He said, you're going to have to do that. Whatever you decide, you, you just do. But he said, I want you to know that as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. I think that's where we are. I'm not Joshua, and you're not either. But I think we all are going to have to face off with that question and that decision in 2024. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you right here tomorrow.